Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Now, there was a 158 car pile up on Louisiana's I 55 yesterday. <laughs> 158. I mean, first of all, prayers ascending. It's terrible. The good news is people were um, um, were for the most part uh, driving fairly slowly. However, um, seven people did lose their lives and obviously lots and lots of others injured. There was something called a super fog, which I don't know how a super fog is related to just a dense fog, um, but a super fog descended quickly. Uh, west of New Orleans, and and 158 vehicles. So, I mean, again, I'm, it's not a laughing matter, but 158 is just like, of course, you imagine that in your mind's eye, and it's um, it's a lot of uh, a, a lot of of um, it's a lot of folks. So, um, drive carefully out there today, um, and be considerate and courteous and mindful. Um, There's also a snowstorm headed, first major snowstorm of the year, headed to the northwestern United States and the northern plains. Yeah, I think that, you know, we got people in the northern plains listening right now. So uh, apparently the wind is going to be increasing as well. And so not only snow, but blowing snow, which obviously reduces your visibility while you travel. So all of that um, in the mix. <clears throat> you know, m- many people across the country think of this as harvest time, but if it's already snowing where you live, then like, yeah, it's, it's past harvest time uh, in terms of that. So let's, uh, this is not a headline that you thought you were going to hear about probably today, but it is a headline today. And so, you know, I get to pick them. And sex education is a topic of conversation in school boards across the country and in parent groups across the country, and in library planning meetings across the country, what kind of content is going to be presented to children at what age and stage of life? And so I wanted to lift up to you um, what is going on in some states across the country in relationship to sex education, because you might be surprised to learn that uh, in many places, what they're doing is they're foregoing federal funding related to some things in order that they can teach what they want to teach and not teach the things they don't want to teach. So uh, here's the headline. It's in the Associated Press. Some GOP-led states are chipping away at sex education in K-12 schools. Now, I would say that headline and the way that the article is presented uh, is absolutely um, biased, but we can read through the bias. We can read through these lines. And so there are, there are a dozen state and or county agencies that have given up their federal tax grants. Um, those tax grants are apparently designed to, quote, monitor teenagers' sexual behavior 
and, quote, lower rates of teen pregnancy and sexually transmitted diseases. But, you know, they do that by the distribution of condoms. They do it through um, through sex education courses and content that is expressly not aligned with a Christian worldview. And so these counties and then in some cases these states have said, you know what, we don't actually need that money. We don't want the LGBTQ plus content that that is pressed into this curricula. We don't want um, we don't want the assault on parental rights that comes with all of this. Um, we don't want the influence of Planned Parenthood in our classrooms. I mean, on and on and on. So um, that's happening, and it's happening in states across the country. And so uh, if you want to know more about that, I'm happy to send the article your way. You know, you can you can text me and just say, hey, I want the information that you shared about such and such and so and so, 877-933-2484. I did also learn through this um, exploration of what's happening in relationship to sex education that actually, this is not a surprise to me. I just didn't actually know how young people were talking about it. It's not a surprise to me that they are talking about sex differently than um, you and I might have talked about it when we were teenagers or young adults or even how we're talking about it today as maturing Christians. So there are these evolving definitions and terms, and I have um, survey information from the Centers for Disease Control related to that as well. Here's what I'm going to say in the midst of all of this. Sex education. Tell them the truth. Tell them the whole truth and tell them nothing but the truth. The world is catechizing our kids in relationship to sex, sexual identity, sexual partners, sexual acts. We need to be telling our kids the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us, God. So what is sex from God's perspective? Why would God give us such a good gift, um, like a, a crazy good gift? And then how does God intend that gift to be used? Are there right and righteous ways to use the good gift of sex that God has given us? And are there ways that are not right, righteous and unrighteous? And sex is good. Like you can actually say sex is good. Um, that's a worldview statement, and it's a statement of reality and truth, because sex was a part of God's original design. Sex predates the fall. Um, and so, is all sex good? If sex is good, is all sex good? Is there such a thing as good sex? Sex can be used, and it can be misused. It can be abused. And we got to have those conversations with our kids and with one another. God intends sex to take place in the context of one relationship, and that relationship is marriage. But what is marriage by God's definition and design? Do you see how these conversations, one leads into another? And do you see how the culture in which we live is giving our kids different answers to those questions than the answers God provides? Do you know the whole story related to sex? There's actually a um, video curriculum called The Whole Story. And If you have a young person in your life and you want to be tilling this soil with them, let me just recommend the whole story. Um, There's there's some great resources there, both for girls and for boys and for moms and for dads um, in this arena. Your your schools and your and your kids in their social media, they are exposed to all kinds of quote sex education 
we got to be giving them the whole story, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth on the matter of sex in order that they would know that their bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit um, and that they would um, offer their bodies back to God in honor to him. Our friend Jeff Barrow is going to join us next from the Christian Medical and Dental Association, and we're going to wade around in some of the medical headlines of the day. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, our friend Jeff Barrows is back from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. Good morning. Good morning, Carmen. I'm so glad to hear you talk about that critical topic of sex education. Thank you for doing that. That's so important for our parents to hear today. Well, thank you. Yeah, um, we we ought to be comfortable talking about something that the culture is so comfortable talking with as to make it um, casual. And so, yeah, I mean, we wouldn't we shouldn't be surprised that. Young people don't know the truth if we've never, um, if we've like been too like weirdly awkward to talk about it. Exactly. And they will hear something if parents aren't telling them the truth. And uh, what they're going to be hearing is not what we want them to hear. No, that's exactly right. Let's, um, let's talk about um, life and the preservation of life. Let's talk about the protection of life. And let's talk about a growing willingness among the American Medical Association to support the killing of patients. Yeah, isn't it isn't it sad when we phrase it that way? I mean, assisted suicide is now legal in 10 states here in the U.S., plus the District of Columbia. And up until now, uh, the AMA has been opposed to assisted suicide, which has been a great thing. In fact, they state in their policy that physician-assisted suicide is fundamentally incompatible with the physician's role as a healer, and it would be difficult or impossible to control and would pose serious societal risks if it were legalized. So instead of engaging in assisted suicide, right now the AMA says that physicians must, must aggressively respond to the needs of patients at the end of life. And so this has been very helpful to us at CMDA and other organizations that are trying to promote Hippocratic medicine as we fight assisted suicide, as it's now being introduced to legalize it in many states across the country. But, and here's the but, unfortunately, they have a meeting. The AMA House of Delegates is meeting next month uh, just outside of D.C., and there are two resolutions that have been submitted that will change the entire stance of the AMA on assisted suicide. The first is put out actually by the student section of the AMA, and it's Resolution 4, and it's asking the AMA to change the terminology from a phys- physician-assisted suicide to the uh, I think misnomer of medical aid in dying or MAID. And it would uh, inf- change the whole definition of suicide. It would remove any penalties for physicians who engage in it and remove all restrictions, e- even with euthanasia. And then there is a second uh, resolution put out by the resident and fellow section that is asking the AMA to adopt a neutral stance on assisted suicide rather than opposition. So this is critical. 
And we've been fighting this. Uh, and, you know, assisted suicide goes against 2,400 years of ethical medicine. I mean, poisons have been around for all that time. So people could have ended their life early. But, but now the AMA wants to suddenly take this on. And it ignores the fact that we are created beings. We are created by God and we are under his authority as creator, who is the one who should decide the time of our death, not us. And we do agree that it, assisted suicide is fundamentally incompatible with uh, the physician's role in health in healthcare as a healer. It changes medicine from a healing profession to a killing profession. And mm -hmm. it also opens the door to all kinds of abuse. So we are uh, opposed to this. I would just recommend that if any of your listeners who happen to be healthcare professionals and members of the AMA to engage their delegates, they can write in opposition to both Resolution 4 and Resolution 5 prior to the deadline of October 29th. I just hope people will get engaged and understand what's at stake. There's a, a related development in Canada. For those of you listening, um, Canada is legalizing medically assisted dying. Again, that, that term made there, medically assisted dying for eligible people addicted to drugs. And so if you're in Canada, you're going to want to be following that development as well. Um, we're going to continue our conversation uh, here with our friend Jeff Barrows. Um, we're going to talk about praying and those who pray more often actually live longer lives. Jeff, tell us about that. You know, I just, uh, as I've said before on the, on your program, that I just love the the research that's being done at the intersection of healthcare and spirituality. And this is a, a recent article, and there's actually a journal of religion and health. And it was a study that examined uh, a nationwide sample of almost 2,000 individuals that had a chronic illness. And what they did is they took a deep dive into previous surveys that were done by the National Opinion Research Center. And it were, the surveys were done at two different times. The first one was in 2014. And they did, then they did a follow-up in 2020, same people, six years later. And part of the uh, questionnaire was, how often do you pray? And mm. the answers, of course, went from never uh, to several times a day. And when the researchers looked at whether there was any association between prayer frequency and whether the person survived that six-year period of time, surprisingly, they found that those who had the higher prayer frequency, either daily or more often uh, each day, were one and a half to 1.7 times more likely to survive that six-year period of time. And this is after controlling for all the other variables. And so it brings up the question, why would this be the case other than perhaps God's action in their life? And the researchers thought that, you know, prayer generates a greater sense of peace, meaning in life, hope, optimism. Typically, people who are praying are, are looking outward. They have greater social support, less depression and anxiety. So I really think there are two important takeaways, and that is, Again, for any healthcare professionals who are listening and you're taking care of somebody who has a chronic illness, one thing you can always do is recommend that they pray. And those that happen to be suffering from a chronic illness, it's just good to remember prayer doesn't cost anything. It can be done anywhere by anybody, and it now has proven benefits. So I found this study to be very encouraging. 
Yeah, I love that. If you guys want um, a link to that particular article, let me know. I can uh, send it to you. Just text me 877-933-2484. We're going to talk next about religiosity and mental health among young adults. So when you think about mental health and you think about the mental health crisis we are in, in the United States of America, and then when you think about the rise of the nuns and the rejection of um, not just Christianity, but religiosity in general, are those two connected? We're going to have that conversation with Dr. Jeff Barrows next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. 150 million people, 150 million people actively use one particular app every month in the United States of America. I want that to be the Faith Radio app. How about you? If you're wondering how you could be encouraged in your faith at any time, anywhere, well, I got good news for you. There's literally an app for that. You can listen to Faith Radio live, any show on demand, no matter where you are at any time of the day or night. Download the free Faith Radio app right now. It's super easy. Just text the word app to 877-933-2484 and click the link. Let's connect faith to life. All right, Dr. Jeff Barrows is with us here from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. Religiosity and mental health among young adults. Um, Talk with us about what experts are saying. Well, this is another uh, interesting study, again, at the intersection of religion and and specifically mental health. It was a study done out of Syracuse University, and they specifically looked at the mental health among those that are in the Gen X generation, and that's anybody that's born between 1965 and 1980. And in this study, again, they looked at... uh, vast survey data and there were three different surveys done in this the same group of people it was initially done in 2000 when this particular generation was between 18 and 29 years of age again in 2000 when they were 23 to 34 and then a third time in 2016 and at each of those surveys, they used indicators that that kind of classified how religious this the members of this generation were. And they had three different categories. Uh, they were non-religious, they were spiritual, but not really religious. And then there was a group that was strongly religious, about 31%. And the way they measured this was the frequency of attending religious services, and then their self-evaluation of their religiosity, their self-evaluation of their own spirituality. And then, again, part of this uh, survey was to measure their mental health by several well-known and accepted psychological tools. And the final data shows that over these 16 years, the mental health of these Gen Xers was statistically better among the strongly religious group than those who identified as non-religious. And again, this is using proven scientific scales. So the take-home message is it's encouraging. Again, it's it's very important that those who are strongly religious, who attend religious services on a regular basis, have greater baseline mental health that helps them in the transition to adulthood, which can be very difficult. So another piece of I think strong data showing the importance of spirituality and and uh, faith. Okay, and then this next conversation, Jeff. 
First of all, sex hormones, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, you know, I'm a 55-year-old woman. I don't even know. Do I even have those anymore? So sex hormones may play a key role in how Alzheimer's disease develops in the brain. Um, Alzheimer's is of concern to a lot of people. Approximately 32 million people worldwide have Alzheimer's. Two-thirds of all Alzheimer's cases are women. So tell us about this research out of the University of Western Ontario um, about female sex hormones playing a significant role in how the disease manifests itself. Well, Carmen, you're exactly right, that when you see that two out of three of those suffering from Alzheimer's are women, then something must be happening. And so a lot of the research in the last, especially the last two to three years, has been focused on trying to answer the question, why is it that women are more likely to suffer from Alzheimer's than men? And there are several different factors that have kind of come to the surface. The first is women live about 5.2 years longer than men. So that longevity puts them at greater risks because they're living longer and, and have more time to develop Alzheimer's. But a study that was done again last year found a gene on the X chromosome that appears to enhance the accumulation of this tau protein, which is the, the problem within Alzheimer's. That's what we call the physiologic basis of the disease. And um, many of your listeners will know that if you have a gene on the X chromosome that causes something, well, women have two X chromosomes and men just have one. So they're going to have twice that genetic material, again, putting them at greater risk. And then there was another study that, that was done uh, again last year that showed that one of the hormones, it's called follicular stimulation hormone, or FSH, it goes up in the perimenopause. So average age of menopause is 49, 50 years of age. Uh, FSH goes up, and they found that women who have frequent hot flashes during sleep are at a little bit higher risk of Alzheimer's disease, and maybe it has to do with that FSH. But this particular study then went one step further and looked at estrogen. And you're exactly right. Women uh, will produce estrogen up until the time of menopause, and then it suddenly drops. And they found that for reasons still not completely understood, but for while a woman is producing that estrogen, she has protection against Alzheimer's. But when she stops, that protection leaves her, puts her at greater risk of developing Alzheimer's, even greater than men. So that loss of estrogen after menopause seems to, through mechanisms we still don't understand, increase a woman's susceptibility to that protein, that amyloid deposits that cause Alzheimer's, unfortunately. All right. If you're listening and you say, all right, can I lower my FSH? Yep, you can. Apparently, dietary changes, including cutting out wheat and cold foods. Hmm, I'd have to do more research on cold foods. And uh, there are some herbal supplements, the reduction of stress, more exercise, um, all kinds of things um, related to the reduction of FSH levels. My guess is all the things that are good for us in general are good for the reduction of this particular um, challenge as well. <laughs> you would think. All of you those, would think. Good, that's what I'm good, saying. Like Good Mediterranean all, diet. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm like reading that and I'm like, hmm, all the things that we should be doing anyway. Yeah, so it's good. Yes. Um, Jeff, as always, it's a delight to catch up with you. Um, can we circle back just for one minute on the topic of prayer? We had a listener who thought they heard you say, 
that prayer is just a state of mind, that God doesn't actually work in our lives. I feel confident that that is not what you meant, even if it is what you said. So could you clarify, um, you know, in terms of like prayer and its effectiveness? Yeah, and and I did not say that it's a state of mind. And in fact, when we look at the reasons why prayer might help someone survive, first and foremost, I I said it may be the action of God, and and certainly that is always the case. But even beyond that, when someone is praying, they tend to have a greater sense of peace and hope and optimism. And that's just one of the benefits that prayer does for us. The other thing is, is that when we pray, we tend to be looking outward beyond ourselves at others around us. And so we hopefully will, in addition to praying for ourselves, we'll be praying for others. And that tends to increase our social support, our thoughts of others and taking our thoughts off of ourselves. And people who pray are less depressed and anxious. So those are some of the additional reasons that prayer might extend our lives. Mm, So good. That's so good. Thank you for that clarification. And as always, thank you for the conversation. That's Dr. Jeff Barrows. You can find him at the Christian Medical and Dental Association. Tons of great resources for for you there, cmda.org. You're listening uh, to Mornings with Carmen. We're going to pivot and have a conversation about friendship. How do we cultivate friendship? And why does friendship matter? And how can we help our girls in particular cultivate their ability not only to be a good friend, but to find and make good friends. So Blythe Daniel has joined us before, but today it's going to be a particularly um, delightful opportunity because her daughter will join her um, and us in this conversation. They together have written a book, Let's Be Friends, a tween devotional on finding and keeping strong friendships. So who were your friends or who was your best friend? Did you have a BFF when you were a tween girl? Um, How do we help our tweens today make good, even best friends? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Okay, on this particular topic of making friends and having a strong circle of friends and being able to discern the kinds of friends that we should be and keep, um, we're all middle schoolers. That is my takeaway from um, from this book, Let's Be Friends. Our co-authors are Kaylin and Blythe Daniel. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Good morning. We are all middle schoolers. That is my uh, that is my sense of this. I know this is a tween devotional on finding and keeping strong friendships, but um, it's good for everybody who wants to be and find strong friends. Yes, yes, yeah. that is so true because all of us have been through that phase of wanting to have good friends, being hurt, and asking, you know, how do I make good friends that will that will last and will treat me the way that. I need to be treated and that I can treat them with respect and love. And so we all are middle schoolers and Kaylin is in the thick of it in eighth grade. And, and this really just hits home for her. Right, Kaylin? Yes, I agree. So that first voice you heard was Blythe Daniel. She's the mom of this mother and daughter dynamic duo of authors. 
Um, and so, Kaylin, we would love to hear from you. Um, you are in middle school, and so you're writing this um, not only from your perspective of, you know, being raised in a household where um, faith is is important, friendship is important, um, the influence of your parents in your life, as well as um, your siblings. You are um, you are an interesting, gifted person. And so I just appreciate your willingness as a middle schooler to put yourself out there in this way. What was the scariest part of putting a book out on the topic of friendship? I'd say I think the scariest part is not knowing what's going to happen after this. Like, I just finished writing it. It's out of my hands. So now what's next? What's going to happen? How is this book going to do? But I think I really mainly tried to take this all to the Lord and put my faith in him because he is the one that's in control and he knows what's best for this book and he knows how to use this book for good. Hmm. Um, Blythe, what, when you think about um, not only the experience, extraordinary, wonderful experience of getting to write a book with your daughter, first of all, that's fantastic, but also your hope for this as as this book goes out there into the world. Talk about, you know, your hope for Let's Be Friends. Our hope for Let's Be Friends is that it will give girls tools that they can use with their friends. You know, a lot of girls are in public schools that, or, you know, even private Christian schools where these issues come up every day about fitting in and rejection and gossip and comparison. And that our hope would be that the the encouragement and the tools that we offer in the book will just give them what they need to get through the days and to see how God has designed them to be a friend and that they deserve better friends than they may have right now. And even how to have some conversations with, with girls, if they feel like they're supposed to leave that friend circle or, you know, seek better friends that, that seek God, you know, those are the best friends are the ones that are also seeking God at the same time we are. I love that. Let's be friends, a tween devotional on finding and keeping strong friendships. Um, Kaylin, what grade are you in? I'm in eighth grade. Okay, so um, you're also, I understand, a competitive gymnast, and you like cooking. And so when let's talk about cooking. Um, would you be cooking with your friends? Um, sometimes I do. I am trying to have more friends over, but when they do come over, we definitely make a recipe. Mm-hmm. Um, are there cupcakes or cookies involved? And I asked that because you sent me cookie cutters and cupcake holders with my book. So I thought you were inviting me to like jump in to the to the <laughs> to the fun decorative cooking process of all of this and just how sweet our friendship would be. Yeah, um, we mainly make cookies, but mm-hmm. sometimes we'll make cupcakes for like friends. Nice. If they have a birthday coming up. I love that. That is so fun. Hey, on the um I'm gonna give you an idea here. On the Christian friend front, like you've got friends who are Christians, in addition to their birthday, there's a second opportunity every year to also celebrate, and that is on their rebirth day. I'm just saying, like, I like to celebrate more often than not. So I'm now advocating for the celebration of the rebirth day. Um, when, you know, either the date they got baptized or if they do remember the date that they asked Jesus into their life. Like, it's just really kind of a fun second opportunity to celebrate each other as Christian friends. Yeah, 
I th- I've actually never really thought of that. So that's a really good idea, honestly. I'm trying to create a new holiday. So there you go. That's my uh, my brainstorm <laughs> with you be, today. Yes. <laughs> um, so Blythe, you get to work with lots of authors. What was it like? And you've actually worked with your son, William, on a book prior to this one. So what was it like working with Kaylin on this writing project? Let's be friends. It was so special to see Kaylin put her ideas together when we started talking about this book and we knew that there was a need for girls to be encouraged in their friendships. And so watching her put her ideas down and then actually meet with an editor in person and present her book idea to the editor, which which then took it down the road that it went. But just watching her step up was just so special for me to see that she wasn't held back by fear and that she knew that other girls could benefit from the things that God had showed her and, and she was willing to risk it and like put herself out there. And so I think that's, that's so special when we see our kids reaching for something that we didn't tell them that they had to do, you know, this wasn't like an assignment. And so it, as a, as a mom and as a literary agent to watch a book come alive from the start of an idea to actually holding a book in your hands, it's a really amazing feeling. And just to watch your child step into something that God has called them to do. And that's what we hope for as parents, isn't it, Carmen? No, oh, absolutely. Um, Kaylin, the, some of the topics that you guys deal with in Let's Be Friends, you know, fitting in, um, impressions, rejection, um, body confidence, when to walk away from a friendship, um, having the right expectations. I'm wondering, is there one of these that you feel comfortable talking with uh, with us about today saying this is actually something that I have struggled with um, in terms of being a friend and finding friends? I think I would say the one that I've struggled both with most with is how to find my good friends because I have had really good friends and they were Christian, but they were just not for me and they didn't Um, have what I wanted in a friend and so I didn't consider them to be you know good they're still good people but that doesn't mean that they'll be good friends for you and then sometimes they could be good friends for anybody else but they just won't maybe they're not good for me and that's fine with me I don't have a problem with that but I just realized that those were not good friends so I walked away and I did definitely find some new good friends I think that after I got over the fact that those weren't good friends, I found some good friends. Mm, that's hard, though. It's hard to um, it's hard to come to the place and be confident enough to say this this relationship is not good for me. This is a good person. I love this person, but this friendship is not is not the right one for me to be in because of how I am made to feel about myself or because uh, how it distracts me from the things that I know God uniquely calls me to do. There's all kinds of reasons we might walk away from a friendship. Uh, I think that for you to be developing that understanding and that confidence this early in life um, is is amazing and wonderful. And I so appreciate your willingness to not only share with us here, it's a pretty vulnerable thing to do, but also to share about it in writing. Again, if you're listening, the book is Let's Be Friends. The co-authors are Kaylin and Blythe Daniel. Kaylin is in eighth grade. Blythe, you know, we've had her on 
before. Um, she is a literary agent. In fact, she's my literary agent, uh, as well as an author and a mom. Um, they have written a tween devotional on finding and keeping strong friends. Um, maybe you've got a particular question you'd like uh, us to talk about. You can always text me, 877-933-2484. Um, Blythe, can we jump into one of these topics? Um, maybe, maybe we would jump into staying true to who you are. It's one thing as an adult to be at the place where I'm like, I can be choosy at this point. I mean, you know, you either like me or you don't. I'm good with that. It's another thing to get to that place you know, when you are still developing your sense of yourself and you're in an environment like middle school? Yeah, you know, I, I think that what Kaylin says um, in in the book about how she saw some friends going in a direction that she didn't feel comfortable with, that she decided not to follow them. And so, and started hanging around girls who weren't trying to change, you know, to, to be popular, um, but but felt more comfortable with themselves. And so I think, Staying true to who you are does develop at an age when girls start to decide, you know, I don't want to go that direction because I see that those people are changing their personality or they're trying to be liked by a certain person. And so they change in that circle. And then, you know, who knows, they might change again um, to, to like a different group. And so that that sense of like, I need to be who I am because I don't want to be somebody who's constantly trying to fit in. And, you know, I think another point about this is that you know, some people may dislike who you are or what you like, but the truth is sometimes that people don't even like themselves. Um, so it's mm-hmm. hard for them to approve of anyone else. And so that's why staying true to who we are, following through on what we know that God has called us to be as a friend and the the interests and the talents and the things that he's called us to pursue, we need to stay in that lane and not get caught off guard by what someone else might want us to be. And even if it seems like a good thing to be in a certain popular group, um, Kaylin has seen that sometimes those popular groups and girls um, really end up hurting other people because of their striving to get there, to, to strive to, to be popular. So staying true to who you are really is so important to, to being faithful to who God's called you to be. I love the... Um... I love the portion of the book that actually comes after all the chapters. So when we come back, can we talk about the bonus features of the book? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. We're taking a very brief break. We're having a conversation with Kaylin and Blythe Daniel. The book is Let's Be Friends, a tween devotional on finding and keeping strong friendships. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. All right, we are talking with Kaylin and Blythe Daniel. Uh, Kaylin's in the eighth grade. Blythe is her mom. They have co-authored a book, Let's Be Friends, a tween devotional on finding and keeping strong friendships. We have a question um, from a listener on the text line. Is there a version for adults? Um, yeah, this 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 works for adults. Um, but this person says, especially men. So uh, I will get with uh, 
I, I will get with Blythe um, offline and we will find an answer to the question of, is there a version of this for adult men? Um, because today we're talking about tween girls. And so um, I would say that most of the skills in the book are adaptable to anyone. Um, Blythe, thoughts on that? I agree. You know, uh, these principles really are universal, as you said, Carmen, but we really wanted to focus on the the things that teen girls are struggling with, which are so you know, specific to body image and self-confidence and, you know, being around groups of friends and and how do you fit in and how do you find your group? Because I think for a lot of us, it's like, how do I find that one friend? I mean, I pray for that friend. And that's a big part of what we do want to encourage people to do is to pray for the friends that God has for you, that, that you would, that you would find those good friends and you would not settle for, for friends that don't build you up, but, but instead tear you down. And so it's a great question. And um, you know, we we thought about doing something for teen boys as well because they they struggle as well. There's mm. a lot of pressures on them as well. So good. Um, all right, I want to jump to the portion of the book that actually comes after the like official devotional section, which is just fantastic and great. But I want to go to the bonus features. Um, friends with Jesus. Um, Kaylin, what what is the friends with Jesus bonus section about? I think the friends with Jesus section about is basically just anointing your friend and letting them know that they, these are their gifts and these are their strengths and how they've been so good to them and how they've Mm -hmm. really helped that friend has really helped them get through hard things or when they struggled to the, that friend helped lift them back up. Yeah. So good that what, you know, you gotta, you gotta be friends with Jesus um, first as a part of this conversation. And um, and then I love the the friend guide, friends I am praying for, qualities I look for in new friends, friends I would like to spend more time with, what I've learned about my friendships, um, what's hard for me about trusting new friends, on and on and on. Um, and then Blythe, maybe tell us what this um, this words with friends, Let, letting our friends write messages to us. You know, Carmen, you and I have talked before about the power of words, right? And how mm. important it is to say things that will encourage other people and um, show them the value of your relationship. And so when we have friends that want to, almost like signing a yearbook of like being able to say, this is what I appreciate about you, or this is what I want you to know that sometimes when we can go back and look at the words of what people have said about us, it just reminds us that we are loved and that people see us as a good friend. So that's just a section in the book where the the teen girl can can write down things that her friends have said to her or the friends can actually write in these spaces. And and so that's just a way to be able to go back and look at and just remind yourself that you are a good friend and you're capable of having good friends. There's also um, recipes in here. Kaylin's chocolate chip cookie recipe um, is available to you in the back of this book as well as um, you know, well, all well, all kinds of tasty and delicious things. We with just a taste and see Tuesday delight. Um, so I just want to encourage you. There are um, there's all kinds of resources at the back of the book, but the the devotional um, content I would say is a wonderful journey for not just a tween girl, but a tween girl and her mom or her grandma. Um, and so this would be a really wonderful. Not just a gift, but a gift journey to take with your tween girl, the tween in your life. So let's be friends, a tween devotional on finding and keeping strong friendships. 
Um, Kaylin, as we close this conversation, would you do us the kindness of reading the prayer on page 134? Yes. It says, God, I want friends who will accept me and love me, but also love you. I want friends who honor you and consider you when they make decisions in life. I want to pray protection over my heart and that I would seek more and deeper friendships that reflect your love. You created all of us to have friends and to love others and treat others well, even if they don't always treat us the way we want to be treated. But I know I'm to look for friendships that put you above anyone else and don't compromise values that you say are good, true, and right. I make commitment to this day to come to you when I'm not sure about a friend, and I commit to ask you to help me when a friend turns the other way, and my heart hurts for their actions or words. Thank you for always being loyal to me and to showing me what a faithful God, creator, and friend you are and always will be with me. Amen. Amen. Kaylin, um, thank you so much um, for joining us today. Blythe, obviously, thank you as well. The book is Let's Be Friends, a tween devotional on finding and keeping strong friendships. Um, let me just say, let me speak a word of blessing over both of you as you um, walk today out there into the world that God so loves. Thank you for helping us to do that in ways that honor Jesus and um, and draw others in to him as as friend, right? So thank you for knowing Jesus as friend. Thank you for having that be the lead in this conversation. And thank you for pursuing that with us today. Really appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you for having us. Yeah. Have a blessed day. That's thank Blythe you. and Kaylin Daniel, absolutely co-authors of Let's Be Friends. So as we um, conclude our time together today, let me encourage you, um, friend, let me encourage you to Strengthen the tie that binds, right? Strengthen the tie that binds you to the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Strengthen the tie that binds you in Christian love to fellow believers. Strengthen the tie that um, binds you in, in fellowship with your family members who are believers. And let us be praying. In, I mean, these beautiful words that Kaylin prayed over her friendships, what would it look like today for us to pray in this way for the friends we already have and for the friends we'd like to make and the friends we'd like to be? What would that sound like? What would it look like today for you to honestly go before the Lord and say, I want friends who will accept me and love me, but also love you. I want friends who know you, God, and consider you um, when they make their decisions in life. Why? I mean, why would I pray that? Because I want to be walking people who are walking with the Lord. What would it look like for you to pray protection today over your heart, over your friends, that together you would seek deeper friendships that reflect the love of God? What would it look like today for you to acknowledge before the Lord that every person you meet is created in his image, but not every single one of them is a friend with Jesus yet? Like, what does it look like for me to be with people who are a part of my life, but who, you know, Jesus is not at the center of who they are or what they're doing or the way in which they're walking? What does it look like for me to go before the Lord and present that as a heart's desire? Like, God, I want my friends to know you. I want you to be their best friend. I don't want to be first in my husband's life. I want Jesus to be first in his life. I want to be you know, second there. And I don't want to be first in a friend's life either. I want to certainly be second 
um, or third there as well. So what does that look like? What are you looking for in your friendships today? And are you the kind of person that people are looking for as a friend? Let's um, let's snuggle up in our friendship to Jesus today. Let's get in the word of God before we get out there into the world that God so loves in order that we might walk and live in ways that honor Jesus. And yeah, let's be friends. <laughs> let's be friends with Jesus. Let's be friends with each other. Let's be um, extending friendship to people who are looking for godly friends. And let's be walking together by faith and not by sight today. I'm so glad to have spent this time with you today. Thank you for the honor of your time and the privilege of your friendship. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.